everyone and welcome to Jess and the Guest. My guest today is one of the best people I know, Uncle Joey, comedian Joey Diaz. He's the star of The Many Saints of Newark and has starred in movies like The Longest Yard, Spider-Man, Taxi, My Name is Earl, just to name a few. You know, no big deal. He's one of the best comedians in the world and has millions of fans, which is the complete opposite of me, but somehow I got him to do this. <laughs> he has his own podcast, Uncle Joey's Joint, and previously The Church of What's Happening Now, which if you haven't checked them out, please check them out. They're so good. He's an iconic stand-up, and in this episode, we break down the many saints of Newark, stand-up, acting, his worst gig, lessons that he's learned, and he gives me the best dating advice anyone has ever given me. I will never be able to say enough great things about him. I hope you love this episode. You look great. How, how's being in New Jersey? How's everything? It's been well. This is a great place. I wanted to come back here to be close to the family. Yeah. I daughter to grow up like I did, crazy and wild on the streets. Yeah, yeah. I the gym today with me, and I took her to get some lunch at the burger place. Oh. Now she's going to a pumpkin place with her mom and the neighbors, you know. Just trying to put it together as a dad, you know. Oh, I want her life. That sounds great. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, friends and stuff. It's completely so different from California. Yeah. Okay. So the Many Saints of Newark was truly one of the best movies I've ever seen. You were incredible in it. Like, thank you. What was the audition process like? How was it? You know, I found out they were doing a movie, and I called my agent, and I had them reach out to them, you know, and see if there was any interest at all. And they said, sure, we'd love to have them read. And I read, but it was on tape. So when you read on tape, you're like, yeah, so hard. Next, uh, now it's the way to go on tape. But two years ago, it was still like somewhere on tape, somewhere in person. When I really want to get a role, I like to go in there because I like them to see me and talk to me and but I sent the tape, and about a week later, I heard you know, well, there was a little interest. Where was I at with it? And I was like, I'm in. And then they called like a week later and made an offer. God, that's so fast, too. I feel like that never happens. Like, it normally takes months, I feel like. It yeah, no, great. Yeah, and that's so hard to do on tape, too. Like, I feel like I've never booked anything off tape. Or I don't know that many people that have. It's so rough on tape. I know people now that call me all the time. They're like, I can't get this tape thing to work. You know, at first I had a struggle with it, but now I'm putting the auditions on tapes. I got a teleprompter. You know, I got a bunch of stuff. So it's a little easier the process. Oh, what's an annoying quality about me is I always try to make things funnier. I feel like for a David Chase film, like if I were reading something, I would try and do that. Could you ever improvise in it? Or Nothing. And I had a rough time with that because there was a lot of openings for a joke, you know. I think the first day they came to me mm -hmm. and listen, man, your lines are great, but they're not going to fly. And then I went back to like his episodes in my mind. Yeah. And I fell right into the his style. You know, his style is very dry, very, he's the master of silence. Yeah. So the, one of the second shots I, scenes I shot was the one in the funeral parlor with the TV. Whoa. That was my second scene. And oh my that, God. when I got it, wow. like I 
understood his shooting, <coughs> his vision, so to say. Yeah. It made the rest of the shoot a lot easier. Wow. My God. Can't believe that's your second scene, too. Yeah, my second scene, I was like, wow, this is uh because I kept improvising. And then they, that's when they came to me and they go, just give it a minute. Listen to the silence. And the silence made sense. So it was, you know, when you when you first get taught stand-up, when somebody pulls you aside and says, slow down up there, take your time, because I want you to say the joke and for it to hit. Take your time, you know, but as comedians, we rush it sometimes. You know, you'll say three jokes. They're still laughing at the first one and you bombarded with two others. Yeah. And that in that sprinkling. So it teaches you that maybe less is better. Yeah. Some, you know, let them let the joke simmer, let it resonate, and then hit them again, you know. Yeah. So that's what I learned from David Chase that sometimes silence can be very funny. Yeah. No, I, I wish I was more like that. He's great. It's just when you're in the movie, you have to do it. And then you're like, okay, I just learned something very valuable. Yeah. Were you nervous at all? I feel like I would have been so nervous with like the soprano. Like I love it so much. Nervous. I was nervous the first day. Yeah. I was really nervous the first day. Just, uh, you know, what do they call that when you have butterflies in your stomach? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't scared as much as I had butterflies. Oh. And once the first word came out of my mouth, I was home. Oh. You know, it. once you say the first word, you're home. You know, that's it. Oh. It's like stealing from there. Yeah. Did you have a favorite person you worked with on the set? Because, I mean, everyone was so good. <laughs> I like I liked John Magaro. I liked uh, Samson, the kid who played Pussy. I really liked Michael Gandolfini. Yeah. I'm really good friends with John Berntal. Like I, we oh. that's our movie together. Crazy. We did together in 2013, and we met like in 2012. Um, I, I enjoyed everybody in that movie. You know, Ray Liotta is a legend. Uh, he made me laugh my ass off. Yeah, everybody in that movie was great. We it was long hours, yeah. so you had to get along with them. You know. <laughs> A lot of espresso. I know. I was gonna say, to how did you stay sane during like sixteen-hour days and? Oh yeah, you have You can relax a little bit, and you could, you know, I, I did everything. I always bring books. I always bring a computer with me. Yeah. I bring a, a movie. You know, now we have apps on our yeah. computer. We could watch. We could stream. I made it work for me. Yeah. You know, I knew it was going to be rough. I, I had heard all about David Chase's style of shooting, and I prepared myself mentally. I didn't complain. And I got to be honest with you on this movie. I've always, I get to a point where I'm a pain in the ass because you just get sick of being there some yeah. days. Yeah. This was one movie that I could look you in the eye and say I was perfect on. Yeah. My behavior was perfect. My professionalism. Yeah. was perfect. I really respected this job. Wow. This was the first, you know, sometimes people come up to you and they're like, 
the line is the, and you're like, who gives a fuck? Ain't nobody gonna see this fucking thing anyway on stars or whatever the fuck this shit. Yeah. Ain't nobody gonna see this fucking thing. So that was, uh, this was, I was really proud of. I was, I was into grudge match too. I've been into a lot of things, but this yeah. one, more than ever, I was really perfect because I wanted to be perfect. I wanted for them to, you know, I, I wanted them to have a good taste in their mouth. There's a scene in the movie when uh, Dickie Moltisante is talking to Harold after we're in the club silhouette. I was wrapped. I had rolled the biggest fucking joint you ever saw in your life. And I was in some corner in Brooklyn waiting for a fucking ride to come yeah. while I'm smoking this fucking bat. Yeah. And I'm stoned to the gills. The Uber driver calls me and says he's going to be 10 minutes. So I'm just waiting on the corner. It's four in the fucking morning. And I look over to the left and I see one of the PAs walking towards me. No. And I go, thank you. Go, you want me to sign out? And she goes, no, you're going to hate me. But they want you to come back. Now, if you know anything about me, 10 out of 10 times, I would have told them to fuck off and I would have gotten the car and left. Not for this one. For this one, I kind of enjoyed it because now they got to see that I'm the real deal. So I went back to the trailer, put on my three-piece suit, suspenders, socks, you know, the whole fucking thing. I walked back in there to shoot this one scene that I watched that you couldn't even tell I'm standing there. Oh my but it didn't matter. I'm not angry, to, you know. It was what I had to do. And when I went in, I remember going to them this is the most unprofessional fucking thing I've ever had. And they all looked at me and I go, you guys for calling me back and me for being so fucking stoned. <laughs> we all started laughing and it was great after that. There was no problems. That's such a mature thing for you to do too, because I know a lot of people who would not do that. And that's so impressive. Like, cause that's oh, a lot of extra work. God, I would fucking leave. I know. Because <laughs> you had to put wardrobe on and tattoos and football. And there was monsoon season. So every time we were clad up, they would cut us. No. And then you get to your room, you're in the bathroom taking a piss and the phone would ring. We need you back. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm not coming back. You should have shot me when I was there. I know, yeah. Oh my God. Well, do you have a favorite scene that you did in the movie? There were so many iconic scenes, but. I like the scene where I got shot. Yeah. I I'm think the scene I did was the funeral party scene. That was my favorite day. Wow. Oh. And that day, you know, I liked every scene I did. Yeah. You know, when you look at it, I felt so honored that I even ended up moving to fucking Jersey. Yeah. Like, I felt so honored by this movie. You know, I left Jersey a fucking hellion. I left here in <laughs> I left here with 20 people looking for me, you know. Oh, I didn't that. leave this place as a man. I left this place. I ran out of here in 1985. So this was my chance to come back to this town with my chin up. Oh. You know, and even though I don't live in the same hometown I grew up. Yeah. I went up there Saturday night. They had this the yearly carnival. No. Oh. And I went up there with one of my best friends I haven't seen since 93. Whoa. Uh, I got to see everybody. And nobody remembered any of the shitty stuff I 
Yeah. Then they were happy to see me. And I felt like, you know, nobody wanted anything from me. They just wanted to take a picture and yeah. tell me they were proud. So it was kind of nice. It felt oh. great. The drive home felt great. I got to see a lot of old friends, you know. The last time they saw me, I was a fucking mess. Yeah. It was great that they got to see me this way. And I walked in a gentleman and I walked out a gentleman. Oh. I didn't have reefer on my breath. I didn't have alcohol on my breath. I was just sober there because I wanted to in my heart, you know. Oh, that's so nice too. And yeah, it was really nice. It was really like nice. The opposite of LA where people don't want something from you every time you go out. Yeah. What? What is that? I could see that. I could tell my friends were really proud. And I could tell oh. one of my friends who I think is a pain in the ass, like, I love him. He's a freeholder. He's a politician. Oh, gosh. We break each other's balls constantly. <laughs> but when he was saying my lines from the movie, I wanted to kiss him. Oh. Like, he was just, he kept busting my balls and saying my lines. <laughs> Like you fuck, and then I'm like on the way home. I'm like, my friends love me. You know, they were my family when my mom died as a kid. Yeah. So this is my gift to them, so they could walk around and go, I told you he was all right. Oh. It, just, it just took him a little longer to get there. You yeah, know? yeah. Oh, that's so nice. One of the things I loved was you talking about like not being. You wouldn't have been ready for this opportunity. Like this was 23 years in the making. And that, like, I love that so much because I so I can relate to it. I think a lot of people can. Like, you know, when I went to the premiere with my wife, I was sitting there next to my wife for 21 years. And, you know, me and my wife got together when there was nothing going on. I mean, there was nothing going on. We were, we could barely make $700 a month rent. Yeah. So uh, during the movie, at one point, it just dawned on me that, I was like this, it took me, let's be honest, it was 30, I'd shot it in 2019. I started comedy in 2091. Uh, wow. So it took me, whatever it was, 28 years to prepare for that role. Like, that's the way I looked at it. You know, sometimes, you know, and I know a lot of young comics watch these podcasts and stuff, but sometimes you're going to be offered stuff yeah that you're not ready to get it's not that you're not talented enough it's that you're not ready i tell people i booked the general hospital yeah. a couple years ago like three episodes and if i would have got that job when i got to la there's no way i would have made it yeah. i don't know if you ever shot a fucking soap opera but it's the opposite of a movie nobody talks to you oh my God. nobody talks to you like when you get to ABC, they, they say your ID, please. You give them the ID. They tell you what room to go to. You go to that room and there's a, a monitor. Yeah. And they tell you when the scenes are going to be up to the fucking minute. You go out there. Nobody says dick to you. Not a fucking hello. Not a good morning. You go out there. You rehearse. They shoot. If you fuck up a line, you don't even start the scene up again. You start from where that line was. There was days I would go to work at 8, and I'd be in my car at 9.15. My God. Like, that's how quick soap operas were. But my point is, yeah. 
I shot that. And I always think about this. If I would have got that job in 99-2001, I would have been fucking lost, you know? And even to break that down as a comic, I remember doing comedy for seven years and uh, the, the president of Israel got shot. Yeah. I remember making a joke that the president of Israel got shot, you know, whatever. They interviewed the guy who shot him and he was Jewish and he said, hey, $40 is $40, right? Now, I like that joke. Yeah, I was going to say that joke. Well, you laugh at that joke. Yeah. But nobody would laugh at that joke, all right? I was doing comedy for six years. Nobody would laugh at that joke. Yeah. And I kept fucking shoving it down people's throats <laughs> because I got a kick out of it. Yeah. To see their face. I got rid of the joke. And then I went, I revisited the joke when I was doing comedy 20 years. Yeah. And the joke killed yeah. But the joke was too funny for me at the time. I didn't know how to deliver it. Sometimes, and, and we all do it. We write jokes that are over our head. We love the joke. It's a <laughs> fucking fundamentally a great joke. Yeah. But we're not good enough to deliver that joke. Yeah. You know, when I started doing comedy, I looked up to Doug Stanhope a lot. I still do because yeah. when you watch Doug, it's not what you say. It's how the fuck you say it. So if you got a joke that's funny and you're the only one that's laughing, maybe it's because you're just not saying it right. You're not experienced enough to say the joke. God, that's so smart. Yeah, when it hits you that you're not experienced enough, you go, okay, I'll I'll revisit this joke. Yeah. Once you even say to yourself, I accept that I'm not good enough to say this joke, right there you've improved 100% because you're being knowledgeable, you're being, uh, you're being conscious of what's going on with your material. And that happens in this business. Yeah. We're given things that we're not prepared for. Yeah. And you don't want that to ever happen to you. Yeah, yeah. God, I could listen to you talk every, I'm like, yes, yeah. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. <laughs> Last question about many scenes. Did you guys have like a cast bonding night or any, it just felt like everyone got along so well. And I was like, how did this happen? <laughs> like, how did you, do you guys instantly just become friends or did you do like, I don't know, a get to know you or hang out or anything? I think we did, we did a table read and then we were all in the same hotel, the guys that were out of state or whatever. We were all in the same hotel and the first night we hung out. You know, we just talked, but I'm going to tell you what I think the bond came from. I think the bond came from COVID because Scott in 2019 and then in 2020, they were shooting for a week and they had to shut down. And then we had that six month, nothing. Yeah. So when I moved here in August, we ended up shooting in September. Wow. So we did the baptism scene, the confirmation scene. Oh my gosh. And we all saw each other. And I think with all the death and all the bad news, when we saw each other, all of us were so happy to be on a fucking set. Oh, yeah. Months, never mind that you're alive. You're working, you're doing what you like, you know? So I remember those two days, like the back of my hand. Yeah. We were really happy. And I was, I have no reason to lie to anybody. You know, 
the pandemic took me, it fucked up my mind a little bit for a while. Me for too. a long Yeah. I mean, mental health is up right now. Yesterday was World Mental Health Day. I donated to one of the mental health things just because mm-hmm. you don't really know about mental health so you fucking go through it. Yeah. And I through it. I, I don't know what I went through. It was a bad batch of something, you know, yeah. like I stopped drinking coffee. I had to stop smoking pot. I had to stop doing edibles. I had to reprogram my life. Wow. Yeah. Therapy. I had to talk to a therapist every week. In fact, I spoke to her this morning. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, it, it was really, so I think that when we got there, we all fucking just embraced and oh. it was just a, yeah, it, it was a great experience oh. all around. And the reason why the experience was so good this time was because I gave it 150%. Yeah. Oh, you can tell it, like, you can tell in the thing, <laughs> like, it, it shows. <laughs> I feel like sometimes people are afraid to do that. I know I am, too, sometimes, like, just to really go for something, but so impressive. Go for it, you know. Uh, comedy is rough, and we only get a few opportunities of advancing ourselves. Yeah. But when you have those opportunities, you got to fucking dive in there. Yeah. This is it. This is it. Nobody's going to... You know, comedy is not like having a fucking day job that (laughs) raises every 120 days. You don't, you know, so you have to grow, but you have to be very conscious of your growth. Like, I would hate to be a young comic again. That's it's like being 20 years old. This is the roughest time of your life. You're you're awkward, you're gawky, you know. Yeah. (laughs) But I can't relate at all. I, (laughs) I did it right. Even though I cried a lot as an open micer, like my first eight years in the business, you know, I came out of prison and I really wanted to do well. Yeah. And I was frustrated because of my growth. But now I'm happy that it took a long time. Yeah. This takes a long time. When you get into this, you have to look at this as a journey. And if you're not going to look at it as a journey, then get a day job. Yeah. You know, look at it as a journey and it, and what's the word? Like, when I got into this, I never thought about movies. I wow. never thought of TV. I never thought about commercials because what's the use? I'm a fucking loser. I couldn't make it in the real world. So I was like, I'm not good enough to be in TV. Like, if I go to LA and I get an extra job, I would be fucking ecstatic. Yeah. You know, like, I would be ecstatic. I remember booking my first movie and going, wow, they made a big mistake. Like, you know, like they don't know. They hired a guy that isn't even, I never went to acting class. I never did anything until I moved to LA is what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. I have no aptitude for this. I just was a fan of movies. Yeah. I feel like you can tell too that you're such a movie buff. Like you can, I don't know. I feel like you can see people who really love movies even when you're acting. Like it's such a cool thing to see. So. I, I love movies. Yeah, you know, um, I'm a Cuban kid, and when I came to this country, I didn't know English, so I like I put myself in positions where I didn't have to talk. Wow! And what better position is the movies? Yeah, <laughs> movies for me were a learning. You know, wow. 
I learned how to speak English from watching movies. I learned how to become an American from watching movies. And I don't know. I was always like, for me, watching a movie was special. Like it, it was a ritual. I had to get Chinese food. I had to smoke a joint. You know, yeah. I don't really like going to movies with a lot of people because they drive you fucking crazy. I, I could go to the movies by myself and have a great fucking time. I know. You know, <laughs> I smoke a joint. I go in there and I giggle like a retard by myself. And you know, I love it. Yeah, sounds so, great. It's really weird. I really appreciate your kind words that I am a movie buff, and that's why. I did so well on The Sopranos because I am, a, I, I was in my place. I was in my favorite fucking place, you know? Oh. So. <laughs> there needs to be a movie done of your life too. Cause you have the most fascinating life I've heard of anyone. I'm like, this this is a movie. Oh, it's a fucking movie. movie. I'm writing a book now. It's got a deal to write a book. We're up to like, uh, I just started comedy. I'm up to 1995. So. Oh my God. The book is throughout. Yeah, I have to hand it in March of 2022. Yeah. And will probably be a Christmas release next year, hopefully. Oh, my God. That's huge. I can't wait to read it, too. Because Yeah, I wanted to always like be an author, even though I'm doing most of the talking and she's doing most of the writing. No. Yeah, at nights I sit down and I outline what I'm going to tell her and stuff. So it's been it's been a great experience for me also. Do you remember, is there ever a really like your worst gig in stand-up? Because I've done so many really bad gigs, especially in the pandemic, in the rain, <laughs> lightning, people running. <laughs> do you have any like bad? <laughs> I'm sure you don't, but do you remember? No, please. You know, as a comic, we all go through the same six years. That's one thing that we all have in common. We all go through pain, struggle, and bullshit. Yeah. If, if how long you take that, you decide. Ooh, I like that. As, as until you figure it out and go, this is not what I'm going to allow to happen in my life anymore. I've been on gigs where I got to the gig and I got to share a room with a fucking the other comic. <laughs> you know, I hate smelling men's feet and, <laughs> and I don't want somebody smelling my life. The worst gig I ever did was my first road gig doing one-nighters. It was in Ogden, Utah, June of 1995. I was just completely lost, Jess. Yeah. I was just lost on stage. I've been there. <laughs> yep. I was lost. And that's fine. That's fine. That, that's a great place for a comic to be on stage, yeah. is lost. I don't want a comic to give up yeah. because they had a bad gig. You're going to be lost on stage. So what you have to do is find yourself. Yeah. That's it. You're going to be lost on stage. If you call me tomorrow and go, Joey, I don't know. I got up on stage and I was lost. I'm the first motherfucker to tell you, that's good. You're on the right path. Now it's you to find yourself. Call me in a year. Bye. And <laughs> I people love do people do find that's what it, that's what the job entails. So, but that first road gig when you're getting 
$90. You fucking need that $90. And you're eating a bag of dicks on stage. People have no idea what that feeling is. It's anxiety, fear, anger, frustration, disappointment, suicidal thoughts, all rolled up in one. Yeah. I don't know anybody who's ever killed himself on stage, but I got to be honest with you. I was close. I was close. You know, doing one night in Nebraska and shit, fucking getting to gigs and they tell you you can't curse because it's a Mormon audience. You didn't even fucking know. Like, I didn't know. Like, you get there and they're like, oh, by the way, you can't curse. You know, another time I went to West Virginia and they're like, every time you say the word fuck, you get fined 50 bucks. What? You know, I went to another gig. Yeah, West Virginia. And everybody had mascara on. Yeah. And I'm like, the gay bar there were coal miners you know i don't fucking know i thought everybody had mascara on i thought i was hanging out with mick jagger and his friends everybody had mascara on you know so gigs are what oh my god i went to a gig one time and a, and a husband was pimping out his wife <laughs> for 40 in fucking tennessee you know what the road will get you prepared for the sopranos yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. That's why people tell you to go on the fucking road. Yeah. No, I'm just gonna stay at home and travel and, and do spots. I'm an electrician. That that's great. You're gonna have to go out there eventually because all that bullshit is what prepares you for what's gonna come later. Yeah. It all that bullshit's gonna make little bullshit in Hollywood seem like nothing. Yeah. Like, we, we're going to have to break for two hours. Go to your trailer for two hours. Two hours? What am I supposed to do for two hours? Well, it doesn't compare to the night I was in Ogden, Utah. At least I'm in a trailer. I got fucking a cheeseburger. I got weed in my bag. I got water. They, some girl keeps asking me in 15 minutes if she could do something for me. You know, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. So that's why all that stuff prepares you for those big movies. That's such a great way to look at things, too. I'm like, yeah, I want to look. I wish I had that. Yeah. I'm going to practice that outlook. And people that have too much pride to take a door job are fucking retards. I know, Especially yeah. At the store. If you t I, I, right now, as a 58-year-old guy yeah. that has been to prison, I went to college, you know, I've done it all. And yeah. go be a door woman or a doorman. Yeah. Whatever you want. Because if you do it for two years, it's the best degree you'll ever have. Yeah. You're going to learn about emotions. You're going to learn about comedians. You're going to learn about comedy, which is what you yeah. want to do. It's an apprenticeship. Yeah. You're going to see all different styles of comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Which gives you a broader base. It's. I worked as a doorman at a club. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh, awesome. I worked with the doorman, sound guy, and bar back all yeah. rolled up in one. Oh my God. I now garbage, cleaning bathrooms. Yeah. Did it with pride because I knew it was a stepping stone. Yeah. It's a stepping stone and it's going to get you ready for your David Chase moment. Yeah. Huh. And that's what you're getting ready for. You know, all these bands always have a great album. The yeah. first album is always great. Why? Because they've been practicing it all their lives. Yeah. The second album people have a hiccup with. 
yeah. except for fucking Led Zeppelin, the Kings of Rock. <laughs> they put out Zeppelin too. Yeah. Uh, Judas <laughs> Priest put out a great second album, but a lot of like Cheryl Crow's second album was fucked up. Ricky Lee Jones, you know. Yeah. And that's because you've had all that time to work towards your first album. Your second album is going to be a year. Compared yeah. to 20, you had to work on the first album. God. Yeah, you're so right. I've never thought about it like that, too. I'm like, yeah, it all makes sense. <laughs> um, okay. Do you have any guilty pleasure TV shows? Do you watch any, like, Real Housewives? Or I'm guessing you don't watch anything. Like, any, um, or, like, I don't know. No. Yeah, I feel like you're too cool to watch any, like. The only show I watch over. No, no, no. <laughs> I watch Narcos. Oh, great show. Over and over again every night. Yeah. I watch Sons of Anarchy. That's my, uh, I love Charlie Hoonan. You know, I think he's a great actor. Yeah. Uh, Those are my guilty pleasures, those two shows. What is your favorite curse word? Fuck. Great one. Yeah. Fuck, I just. I can't believe you don't know. People would say you couldn't curse on stage. Listen, I went to shoot a Netflix special. Yeah. And. They came to see me, you know, six times. Yeah. Never had a fucking note for me. Yeah. Never had a note for me. Guess what? 15 minutes before I shoot the special, they gave me notes. Oh, my God. No pressure. What? And I, what the fuck is this, you know? And, you know, every gig, not every gig is perfect. You have to make the gig perfect. If the gig is unperfect, you have to make it perfect. Yeah. If you're bombing, go back to your happy spot and start all over again. You know, that, that's, I've done it a thousand times. Just take a deep breath, go to your happy spot and start all over again. Start working on them, you know, climbing on their legs, jumping on their hips. And next thing you know, you're there, you know. Oh, it's so I just, I enjoy this whole entertainment thing. Yeah. But I did a lot better when I ripped the desperation away from it. Wow. And I realized it was a journey. God, that's so, I wish I would have thought of that earlier. <laughs> and last question, do you have any good dating advice? Because I need all the help I can get. If you have any good. I have the best dating advice, I think. Because when I got into comedy, I was coming off a divorce. Ooh. And I knew that I was damaged goods. Mm -hmm. So just had one nighters, yeah. you know. That's yeah. it. If you somebody in Idaho, yeah, go have coffee with them if they want to have sex, whatever. Yeah. And when I met my wife, I was very cautious. I helped handled my wife because I was a fucking comic. Yeah. Nothing to offer these women, you know. <laughs> they, you know, a woman will start dating you because. It's cute to date a comic. It's different. You know, they go to work and, oh, my God, you must laugh all the time. Oh, my God, it's great. Give it a year until yeah. he knocks you up. And then you're watching the fucking kid for two weeks alone. And he's calling you from North Carolina telling you he's playing golf and yeah. shit. No woman wants to hear that. Yeah. But so I dated my wife. I didn't think I was going to marry her. I'm like, I'm a comic. I'm not going to do this shit again. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I slowed it up. But in slowing it up, I brought the best out of it. Aww. Like it was 
kind of weird to describe. Like, she's really sweet, my wife. She's the reason why I stopped doing drugs because I didn't want her finding me on the floor, you know. Mm-hmm. I found my mother dead on the floor, but I was cut out for that shit. I'm a dirty Jersey guy. My wife is a sweet white chick from Tennessee. She giggles at her own jokes. <laughs> you know, if my wife would have found me on the floor, she would have never recovered. Some people can't recover from that shit. Yeah. So I knew that she was different and I didn't really want to be a shithead to my wife. I didn't think we were going to get married, but if we broke up, I didn't want to lose her as a friend either. So I kept it slow. I took my time. It took me nine years to marry her. Wow. Like it took me nine years to ask her, you know, and and she held out towards the end. And I felt like a shithead, but I just wanted to be sure. I didn't want to put her through a divorce. I don't want to ever be divorced again i'm a catholic yeah i don't want to walk around saying i've been divorced three times you're a fucking loser because you failed at the most basic concept we have and that's communicating with somebody else that's how i really felt yeah when i got divorced was very turned off on myself as a human being i'm like i already ruined one woman's life i'm not gonna you know, go shit on somebody else's life. That's just not good business, you know, but I did this one the right way. And, you know, with love, it's when you're not looking. God, you're so good. It's when you're not looking. Yeah. It's when you got that David Chase movie, you got a commercial, you got to go to France to meet fucking Prince's Harry's uncle and do a commercial with him. And all of a sudden, this girl wants to hang out with you. Yeah. She cook you dinner. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, yeah. Why is you want to cook me dinner? You know? And oh. it was that's what happened to me with my wife. Like, I just wanted to be, I just wanted to date somebody. Yeah. I think like two months in, I was coming to New York and I maybe had 10 bucks in my pocket. Yeah. She was a waitress and she goes, Do you have money? And I didn't know what to say to her. Yeah. What do you tell a girl at the two month mark that you're broke? You can't, yeah. you know? And I was like, I'm not going to lie to her. I go, I'm broke. And she gave me her last $40 and half a pack of cigarettes. Oh, it's so nice. Such a great story too. I'm like, oh. And I knew, I knew all those, all those things, all those things that she did. Like, even though I was doing coke and I wasn't the best, boyfriend in the world I knew that in time I would become that and my wife and I believe it or not we have a great relationship I'm very lucky that I have her we have a great relationship she's basically my my manager I mean she's uh it took me five years to give her that yeah but before we make a move I always check in with her you know because we're a team yeah you know we're a team so she's a mom now they just left at a pumpkin place with the neighbors you know it's so nice they'll come back and we'll take them to a game and oh that's okay now you know i'm not even doing stand-up anymore yeah i'm yeah. just doing acting and the podcast yeah well you have a just, lot on your plate that's a lot at least it would be a lot for yeah. me i want to start doing some guest sets pretty soon yeah, do it. 
Yeah, you know, I want to go back down to Parks Casino. Oh my God, yeah. That's one of my favorite spots. You know, I'm a Philly fucking, if you know anything about me, you can tell I do great in Philly. I, I'm yeah. a Philly guy at heart. Yeah. I love everything about Philadelphia. I went to Glassboro. Yeah. Oh. Before I came Rowan. So I was in fucking heaven because I get I got to go to six of games. Oh. Every other night they had Julia serving and oh. Oh most own. Yeah. I love fucking cheesesteaks. <laughs> everything about Philly. The roughness. Yeah. The talk the way women talk yeah everything about philly fits in with me so i yeah. can't wait to go to park see you and <laughs> yeah you cool. for some minutes and you know we'll have some fun yeah thank you so much for doing this you're truly one of my favorite comics you're so funny i can't wait to see more of your acting like you're incredible so i can't thank well, you thank enough for but oh, just wait. remember pay your dues yeah so you don't have any second doubts on comedy yeah. And, and commit, man. Jessica, commit. Yeah. It's a beautiful fucking career when you commit. And if nothing happens, at least you know yeah. in your heart that you committed. Yeah. You gave it the best you did. Someday you're going to meet some guy and he wants to have a kid with you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to go, but comedy, and you're going to have the kid because it's what your, uter- your yeah. uterus <laughs> is calling for it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you're going to go, you know what? I gave comedy a break. And that's why I was feeling bad about not doing comedy at first. <laughs> when I was doing it, I was all in. Yeah. And before the pandemic, I was all in, Jessica. Oh, I and I was the strongest I could be. I mean, I really worked on it. And that's yeah. why I think that I don't want to do stand-up because I put so much of myself into it. Yeah. You were like, the it was so rough and humble. So... It was a rough 30 years. I enjoyed it. I, would, I wouldn't change anything about it. I would do it again if I had the opportunity. Yeah. But most importantly, I'm really happy I did it the way I did it. So. God. I'm so impressed. You're, just your work ethic alone, too. I'm, thank you so, so much. So you. I'm happy that you did this. And I'm happy that you reached out. Thank you very much for your time.